Welcome to Report Back, the San Francisco chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America's podcast. Our chapter is made up of a thousand members and 16 issue-based and internal-facing committees where the heart of our organizing happens. This is a praxis-centered podcast where we talk about the tactics and strategies of winning socialism with the organizers who plan and implement them. I'm Ilika Mahajan, co-chair of DSASF's Reading, Analysis, and Discussion Committee. This past week, I went to Prescott Elementary School a few times in Oakland to see the Oakland teachers strike in action and got to sit down and interview Lorraine, a wonderful and inspiring teacher at Prescott. We'll play the interview first and I'll give a bit of an update afterwards. Go ahead and introduce yourself and how long have you been at the school district? Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm Lorraine Mann. I've been teaching in Oakland Unified for 21 years, all but one of those years at Prescott. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's a long time. Yeah. How is it going? How is the strike going? How are the negotiations going? So the strike is blowing everyone's mind. There are teachers that were, teachers here still that were around in the 96 strike, which lasted 26 days. And they say there was never the level of teacher buy-in, never the level of community support, never the level of parent support keeping their kids out of the classroom that there is here. Even on day one in the 96 strike, they did not have this. I mean, it's basic. It's it's almost 100 percent participation across the district with parents keeping their 97 percent of kids staying out of school and 95 percent of teachers on the line. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so inspiring. Yeah. Yeah, no, it feel it feels like it, it feels like it's it doesn't just feel like it. This is way bigger than Oakland. This is a national wave and I I'm not the kind of person that says that kind of thing. Like I don't I've been waiting I've been waiting my whole life. I'm 56 years old. I've been waiting my whole adult life for people to get fed up with business as usual and say it just has to change and start to rise up. And I feel like it might actually be starting. Yeah. And it's just really exciting. That's, I'm, yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> um, how, how are the negotiations going with the school board? Is it progressing forward? I know things had halted <clears throat> earlier this week and then they started to proceed forward. Yeah, it sounds like there has been a, a fair amount of positive movement. The bargaining team is holding strong because of all the support that they get from us. So they told us when we marched to the state building where they were bargaining earlier this week, they said the chants from the teachers were so loud, the two bargaining teams could not hear each other across the table. And uh, they, they said that level of support is what is giving them the motivation to stand firm. Because they just say to the district, you know, 
the teachers are not going to yield on this, and they know that's true. So there's no point backing off on their demands because we just wouldn't go for it anyway. I hear teachers say to me every day, are we really going to accept 8.5%? And when I say no, they say good. Uh, every teacher that I've spoken to, and I've spoken to just about every teacher on this staff, they all say the same thing. When I ask them how's it going, they say, I'm tired and I'm sticking with this until it's over. I am not, the, the, the level of determination has not ebbed at all, which is shocking to me because we work hard here at Prescott and we aren't all that political because we can't be. We're focusing on our kids. Yeah. And even here, the teachers are saying, this can't, this has to stop. One of the teachers said to me, what's the point of us getting a raise if we don't have a classroom to go back to? Yeah. And that's, that's the, that's the level of the fight that we're fighting now. This is an existential crisis. This is not just about a few counselors or a couple extra students in a classroom. It goes way beyond that. Yeah, so what is the deal that the union is hoping for? So the union's bargaining position is uh, we need a 12% raise over three years. We want to lower class sizes at the highest need schools like Prescott by four students per class, lower class sizes at other district schools by two two students per class. We want to drastically lower the counselor to student ratio, uh, drastically lower the nurse to student ratio. Uh, so counselors, psychologists, and therapists, uh, we, need, we need more of all of those. Those have been cut over the years. We want uh, hard caps on special ed caseloads, and we want to reduce the special ed caseloads, although I'm not I don't remember what the exact numbers are there. Totally and then uh, after we went on strike, we added a demand that the district agree to bargain school closures. So we're, we, uh, we, request, we, we put in a demand for that back in November when the district decided unilaterally that they needed to close up to 24 schools. Needed, please, in air quotes. And uh, we said, and they said they needed to do it in order to fund the teachers' raise as part of contract negotiations. And our team said, well, since you're tying that to teacher raises, you've now opened that as a bargaining issue. So we want to bargain school closures. And the district refused. But now that we're on strike, we can just insist. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that they are that they are bargaining also that the that the district has to bargain school closures. They can't just unilaterally close schools. Can you talk a little bit about um, on the topic of school closures? You know, who are these school board people, and why why do they want to close schools? What is their uh, motivation? Um, so that is a deeper issue, yeah. and it gets to the idea of uh, the 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 of portfolio schools. That's an important phrase to know, even though you will never hear anyone in the district use that phrase because they've learned that uh, people are starting to know what it means. And so they use a different phrase. They call it the blueprint for quality schools, or they call it the community of schools. 
So uh, the Blueprint for Quality Schools was a process that they used to come up with this 24 schools to close. And now they're calling this community of schools. Mm, It's an idea that mixes. It's a blend of public and private. So what they what they they want to run the school district like a stock portfolio, like a stockbroker would run their portfolio where there are stocks that are doing well, so you put more investment into them. And then there are stocks that are doing poorly, so you get rid of them. And in the portfolio schools model, you use very basic criteria to rate schools as either high-performing or underperforming. And the high-performing schools you put more resources into, and you funnel more kids into them, and the low-performing schools you get rid of. So there's winners and losers. It's like it's, it's running schools like a business. Uh, so in the, in the current climate with charter schools, what that means is the district now has uh, a portfolio actually in their, in their uh, enrollment office where a parent can walk into the district enrollment office and they can say, I want to enroll my child in a school close to my home, and the district will give them a list of schools that are close to their home, and that list will include charter schools. And if the parent wants to enroll their child in the charter school, the district will hand them an application, and will take that application and will directly enroll that child in a charter school. You can't go to any charter school in Oakland and say, I want to enroll my child in the closest district school. This is only a one-way street. So the district has on their website, on their enrollment website, you can search by neighborhood school, which will give you public schools and charter schools. You can search by just OUSD schools, or you can search just by charter schools, and you can enroll online in any any, any of those, those schools that you choose. So that's the start of the portfolio model. Mm-hmm. So they've got a portfolio of schools that they are now enrolling children in. And then if there's a school that they decide is underperforming, they'll close it and put those resources into what they've decided are high-performing schools. Except that in California, they can't close the low-performing charter schools because any school that is whose charter is pulled by the district can, can, uh, can appeal to the county board of education the county can overturn the district's decision, and if the county doesn't overturn it, they can appeal to the state. So we have a very problematic tra- charter school here in Oakland. Lots of financial mismanagement, lots of questions about their pedagogy and about uh, how they select the students that they allow to be in their school. Uh, and the district actually tried to revoke their charter. They appealed to the county, it was either the county or the state that reinstated the charter. So the only schools on their low-performing list that they can get rid of are public schools, which then means that the percentage of charter schools in the district is going to keep increasing. Mm -hmm. That's a big, big thing. And as far as why they're doing this, there's uh, an organization called the Broad Foundation. Eli Broad is a billionaire and knows nothing about schools but decided he's going to put his money into school reform. He may well be well-meaning. I don't know. Or he may just be somebody who doesn't believe in the public sphere, which is also very likely. Uh, But for whatever reason, he has been um, 
promoting this idea of running schools like a business. And he has uh, put a lot of money into training leaders, school leaders around the country. Many of our superintendents in the past uh, and many of our school principals have been trained by Broad. And so they come in with that philosophy, that privatizing philosophy. Antoine Wilson, who was the superintendent before the current one, he had been trained by Broad. The first state trustee, actually two or three of the state trustees that we had under state receivership have been trained by Broad. So this, this goes back quite a ways. The first state trustee was the, back in the, nine, back in the early 2000s, was the first uh, OUSD leader who publicly stated that his goal was to expand charter schools in the district. It was, that was, I think he wanted, I think his goal was to open 12 charter schools in the district and we're now at 40. So. Wow. There's 40 charter schools in the district? 40 charter schools in Oakland Unified. Yes. I did not know. I mean, not in Oakland Unified. In Oakland, there are 40 charter schools. Yes. Wow. I had no idea that it was that large. Yeah. Some of them are large schools and some of them are very small. Some of them are, are, are nothing more than like a storefront or somebody's basement with a few kids in it. Uh, but anybody, the thing about charter schools is anybody can write a charter and present it. And if you have a school board that's in favor of charter schools, they won't look too far, too closely at it. Uh, yeah. They, they just approve it. And then maybe it'll fly. Maybe it won't. Maybe the kids will learn something. Maybe they won't. But there's the charter schools by design don't have much oversight. Yeah, they're experimenting on kids. Yeah, and it, it's like a it's like a drug trial, except it keeps expanding. There's no there's no limit on how many children we enroll in this experiment. Yeah, an experiment that in so many ways is failing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, so that's kind of what that's part that's part of what's behind it. The other thing, the other aspect is um, there's. There's a lot of other millionaires that want to get involved in this, a lot of other rich people that want to get involved in this, and but they don't want their names used because they know that, bad you know, there's, there's some bad press building about charter schools. Yeah. So uh, what their motivations are, I don't know. But they give money to an entity called Go Public Schools, Great Oakland Public Schools. It's a lovely name. And uh, Go takes that, Go as a, as a nonprofit takes that money and then funnels the money into school board races and other types of support. Oh, wow. So it's Go Public Schools has increased by an order of magnitude the amount of money that is spent on school board races in this district. So it used to be it cost about $12,000 to run for school board. It's kind of an average. And now in the, in the 2018 cycle there were three candidates for school board that received over a hundred thousand dollars from go wow yes uh two of them what ended up happening was all of the incumbents were re-elected two of them were supported by go one of them actually was opposed by go had previously been supported by go and ended up not being as pro-charter as they wanted her to be so they financed an opponent who did not win uh, but that's the, and then the, the most recent candidate, Gary Yee, who is a good, good man, I believe, uh, but doesn't recognize what's going on, doesn't recognize the underlying politics of the school closures. He was supported by Go. 
uh, I think $120,000 he received. Wow. So, and those funders get to be anonymous. That's that crazy. Go doesn't have to uh, publicize their names. Yeah. That's insane. All right, I have one final question for yes. you. Um, what has been sort of the strategy and tactics and, and what have you learned from doing this or like if other districts want to have uh, teacher strikes what advice would you give to them oh my goodness so the advice I would give to them is reach out to all of the unions across the country that have been, all of the teachers unions that have struck in the past two years yeah and learn everything you can from them about what they did okay so Oakland Strike is so successful in large part because we've been working closely with LA Unified and we've been talking to them about what they did and uh, and learning from them. LA schools adopted individual Oakland schools, so we've been adopted by the Harry Bridges Span School in LA. They gave us so much advice. You know, from little things like throat coat tea, and hot water. you got to have it every day. Mm-hmm. And they, they passed the hat and they bought us a thermos. So we have a thermos here. You know, and, and put a, make sure you have a rain shelter. shelter. But put up a tarp on one side because the rain's going to blow in. I mean, just really stuff that... And, and they send us videos and, of, of their teachers with, you know, inspirational, you know, phrases for us. And that kind of connection makes helps us remember that this is not just a local fight. It helps us remember how big this movement is. And our union leadership has been very smart because of the advice, in large part because of the advice they've gotten from those other districts. So we will, we will support anybody that wants to take this up. Yeah. We will pass that love along for sure. We will be taking strike, taking sick days, and going to support you just like teachers in SFUSD and Fremont Unified have done for us. Uh, we've all got to be in this together, even after this this one, uh, even after this one push is over. We got to keep it going. Thank you so much for talking to me. I really appreciate it, and I learned a ton. Oh, good. I'm glad. It was Thank great you talking so to you. Much. Thanks. So I just wanted to add a little bit of an update. Since recording this interview on Friday, the story has progressed. On Friday evening, the school board and the teachers association reached a tentative agreement, which the union then voted to accept on Sunday night with 64% voting in favor, marking the end of this historic strike. The negotiations ended up at an 11% salary increase over the next four years with a one-time 3% bonus. They also won a modest decrease in class sizes and funding to hire more counselors and nurses. Criticisms of the deal included the lack of guarantees around school closures and the opening of more charter schools, which divert public funding into non-democratically controlled schools. Fight for public education in this country still continues, and I wish for the best for all the public school teachers across the country. The Democratic Socialists of America is the largest socialist organization in the United States. We have over 120 chapters in 48 states. We're an activist organization, not a political party. To become a member, go to dsausa.org. To find out what our local chapter is up to, visit dsasf.org. Our intro music is by Young Chomsky.